welcome to an all new edition of Talking Football Extra, the Jaustik edition. Well, we've played 34 rounds of football in the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga 2, 38 rounds in the Dritte Liga, and now, after four more matches, we are finally done with the entire season. Both relegation playoffs produced a lot of drama, some twists and turns, and a lot of storylines. And both me, Nick Wiltung, and the one and only, our tactical expert, Jasmine Barber, are here to talk about it. So, Jasmine, are you happy that it wasn't your Darmstadt side that faced Hertha and, you know, would have probably induced you with several heart attacks over the course of the last, you know, four or five days? I think I am used to heart attacks throughout the season. So, actually, I think Darmstadt would have had also an equal footing compared to Hamburg. I think we'll get into Hamburg's problems in a minute. But, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have disliked to have seen Darmstadt in a playoff. Yeah, I, I you know, actually hoped that they would get there uh, on the 34th match, but they didn't. But um, anyways, we'll be talking about the relegation playoff between Hertha and HSV in part one of this show. In part two, we'll be talking about the relegation playoff between Dynamo Dresden and Kaiserslautern. So all of that is to come. It's always tough to get out of the Bundesliga 2 and into the Bundesliga when you are the side from the Bundesliga 2 taking on the Bundesliga side and the relegation playoff. But this time around, Jasmine, after the first 90 minutes of that two-legged match between Hertha and HSV, it seemed like HSV might get the better out of Hertha, right? Yeah. Well, they let 1-0 at that point. Yeah, but so did Kiel last year against Kuhn, so... I mean, we've seen this get turned around before, maybe not on the same scale, but yes, that first leg was was pretty dominant from Hamburg. They had more chances, they had more possession, equal amount of shots on goal, which I think kind of sums up Hamburg's problems throughout the season and then again in playoff. Yeah, after the 1-0 in the first leg from Ludovic Freis, I guess you could say kind of lucky. We don't know if he was actually trying to go for goal or cross. It was a wonderful goal from outside the box on the left wing that kind of floated in. I mean, he's not looking at where he wants to place the ball. He's actually looking at the ball, which I think what he's trying to do is just, you know, trying to get the ball into the box, hoping that somebody will get at the end of it with his head. And, you know, he hit it a little bit better than he had expected. Yeah. Is that better? I, I have no idea of his technique of skill. It just I mean, he hit, I mean, I mean he, he mishit it, but to his own advantage. The task failed successfully for Ludovic Rice. And Ludovic Rice is a fantastic talent, by the way. I said this was a playoff of jinxes and Ludovic Rice probably heard our podcast recording from um, midway through the season and Mike putting him on his... Uh, not really performed this season because there was such a buzz around him, but he was good for, I think it was Osnabrück on loan last season. Um, Came from Barcelona. Yeah, I think he's a wonderful, talented player. And yeah, it seemed like both teams couldn't score in that first leg. And when we came into the second leg, there was a, a high expectation. There were a few words between Felix McGant talking about how Hamburg have all the pressure 
that might have been true. But Tim Valter had a wonderful clap back saying, well, pressure is privilege. <laughs> and I, I, I agree. But I mean, it's, it's sort of like what Felix Margit is best uh, at, yeah. you know, these psychological games, you know, twisting and turning things around and, and, you know, trying to create a bit of a uncomfortable situation for his opponents in that way. But obviously, I mean, you can say whatever you want about the pressure being there. But um, if you're the Bundesliga side, you're the side supposed to be winning those two matches and off. Or if you spend that much of Lars Windhorst's money, you should be not in the relegation playoff at all. But that's a question for another podcast on another day. But yeah, um, it wasn't long for Hertha to make it level. Boyata, assisted by Marvin Plattenhart. And I guess Hamburg never really got going in that game. Uh, Hertha decided to play an impromptu diamond. Maybe they listened to our last podcast with us ripping them in tactics. They went really unprepared with a diamond in there and it worked for them. It was, again, less possession, but they seemed to press really well. They got really under Hamburg's skin. Whenever Hamburg did get a chance, and there were a few chances... It was that problem that we've seen Hamburg have in the first leg throughout the season. And it was pretty much summed up by Ludovic Rice's goal in the first leg. They seem to not score easy chances. They just don't. And this is a massive downfall for them. But they didn't have too many easy chances in that second leg, to be fair. I mean, I think the first finish from... That's all header? Uh, yeah, I, that's the one I was going to, to mention. The first finish from within the area came after 62 or 3 minutes. That was shortly before Hertha's second goal. Okay, so their first leg, they did, definitely should have finished off more chances. And again, they scored their harder chances more than the easiest ones. In the second leg, it's another problem that we've seen from Hamburg. They start from their back line really dynamic, really fast, but as soon as they go into their opposition side of the pitch, they kind of lose that movement. They kind of get stuck in the similar patterns, the kind of cross in that doesn't land anywhere, which if you study well and analyse well, you can pretty much cut them out. And I think Hertha did a really good job doing that throughout the second half. Had Hamburg made a bigger dent in that first leg, we could have seen a different result, but unfortunately, we didn't. So, yeah, I guess I'm putting the blame all on that one tweet that I said uh, a couple of weeks ago. Thank you for not making me sit through a Darmstadt playoff, but you did still jinx your team. <laughs> well, anyways, I mean, the, the second goal of the match was scored by Marvin Plottenhardt, and that was another strange goal in the sense that you don't really see a lot of players go for broke from that sort of position. But I actually think the way he placed that ball, was it was so well placed and it came with such speed. Mm. I think he actually might have gone for the shot from that position. And I wouldn't fault Hoya Hernandez because... The way he positioned himself in, in the field as a goalkeeper is correct. I mean, 999 times, this is going to be a cross and the keeper has to get out of, of his goal. And he stands in the correct position. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a strange two-legged match in terms of the goals that were scored, to say the least. At Hertha, you know, they faced a lot of pressure after that second goal, but they managed to, you know, <laughs> defend as most Felix Maggot teams do. Yeah, unfortunately. I, I don't know if it's unfortunately. 
I, I feel like, actually, all of us kind of wanted to see her go down a little bit, didn't we? Even if it meant the cost of HSV going up. <sighs> what was funnier? Oh, I think we need to talk about one controversy, though. The Verda tweet. Yeah. We have nothing else to say about this playoff. I think we have to talk about the Verda tweet. Okay, let's let's go to that one first, and then let's talk a little bit about more serious subjects like the future of HSV and Herta. So I saw a tweet, a Verda tweet, mock HSV with um. I guess it was like, oh, sorry, HSV, but here's our celebrations from a week ago about being promoted, <laughs> and everyone was like, this isn't classy. I'm, I'm not going to break down crying laughing. But, I mean, it was both Verda fans and fans from Ellsworth. wasn't just HSV fans no, complaining. It... And, and to be honest, you at this point, you're actually wondering who is running the Verda Raymond social media account. Was it me? I mean, they tweet, uh, after yesterday comes today, and after today comes dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and, you know, you think, oh my god, they're announcing a really big signing. And the following day, they say, Clemens Fritz has extended his contract. And, you know, everybody knew that he was going to. Did they? Yeah. They I were going to announce if, me. They just had to hide it because I'm too fabulous. Well, <laughs> Nick takes a big gulp. I mean, Clemens looks good. You have to give him that. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you know, you have that sort of tweet and that pissed off a lot <laughs> of people too. And then you have this tweet and you yeah. think, by all means, if you have a big transfer lined up, Go for it, play a little game on Twitter, but, you know, deliver on that promise. Because I loved it. I loved it. They should have kept it up. They fell into the pressure. Everyone giving them grief. Like Hamburg didn't give them grief when they went down. I know, oh, it's a club's social media account. Yeah, but social media is a hellhole. Why do you expect morals on there anymore? You know, it was it was it was not classy to say the least. Oh, okay, that's fair. Anyways, Herta, you would imagine that they are over the moon, but turns out this club is in chaos. The president Vana Gingbauer uh, said, "I'm stepping down after the match." Because he's been in a long conflict with, with uh, Last Winters. In an interview with Tagesspiegel, uh, Vana Gingbauer said that um, Last Vintorst uh, decided to set this club on fire as we were battling against relegation with his statements about the leadership at the club not delivering good enough sporting results and being more concerned about their own power within the club than actually doing their best for Herta and what's best for the, for the club. So there's been a lot of conflict. Uh, Gingbauer once again then went on saying that, you know what, um, Last Vintost, he owns uh, 64% of the professional sports team. However, that is a bit like uh, owning a ride at an amusement park. The club is the amusement park, and uh, Last Vintost owns a little bit of one of the rides. So Herter gets to decide what happens to that ride, no matter how many <laughs> percent of that you know ride Last Vintost owns. Said Gingbauer. So, anyways, I mean, it's it's sort of kind of strange because there's going to be a new president, there's going to be a new coach, and yes, after Vintos got in, I mean, the finishing positions of Hertha have been tenth, fourteenth, and sixteenth, and they've spent uh, around three hundred seventy million euros on transfers. That all? I thought it was more. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe even more, yeah. But anyways, I mean, wh- what do we think? I don't. <laughs> no, they're, they're in complete shit. Maybe now they can just restructure everything. I think there was something that said there was too many different parts of her, and this could be even Shankar as well, too many different parts that weren't under any kind of responsible ownership and that they don't really have a plan in the club. So, yeah, until that's sorted, it doesn't matter what coach comes in because if all the kind of planning steps are not right, you're going to have fail bringing in the right transfers, fail at all those kind of levels. And the thing is, maybe they just need another year because Freddy Bovich has got basically most of the team he had at Eintracht Frankfurt. He took them all to Hertha. So why they're not restructuring absolutely everything, maybe they are now, but that's what they need to do. They they hired stuff like game conceptionists, like they did at Eintracht Frankfurt. So all like the youth team to the senior team all played the same way, all had the same structure. They knew what players they wanted and it worked. But we know Bobic has only really had Frankfurt as a good model on his record. Could it have just been a one-off? We will see. Maybe. I mean, he's been at two clubs. Um, <laughs> what, Stuttgart? Was it Stuttgart? Stuttgart. And that went yeah. down the shitter. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a <laughs> mixed bag. Yeah. Bag of mixed results. If you take something like 20 people from your old club into your new one, you expect that to be run like your old club. The same sort of structure, and that's what I would expect. And it doesn't seem like any... Like, the signings they made over the summer just didn't, wasn't very Freddy Bobich-ish. So, who knows? I mean, I really love that bar. They had loading bar on, on the uh, last day of the transfer window. And they, uh, you know, 22% loaded. And you just uh, delivered one transfer and you thought, everybody thought, okay, there's going to be two or three more really big transfers. Well, no, but, but you know, that was it. You know, it's, it's been a really messy year from start to finish for her to HSV. Tim Walter, should he stay? Uh, should he be let go? Uh, Jens Bolt, should he stay? Should he be let go? I mean, it's, it's Hamburg. I mean, but... You know, to be fair to Hamburg, they've actually managed to keep a calm head throughout the entire season. And I think, you know, when once the board and everyone at the club has analysed this season, there are a lot of good, good things speaking in, you know, spe- being in favour of having Tim Walter, Jens Bolt and everybody else stay yep. at the club. Yep, I, I, I completely agree. He was definitely, when they looked like they fudged it right up, he managed to still get them going and we haven't seen that in Hamburg for god probably from before they were relegated into the Spider Bundesliga I mean it's their highest finish for, yeah. since they've been in the Bundesliga too so yeah forever fourth and now third next year you would imagine the league is a lot weaker apart from maybe Hanover and Dusseldorf or Han City and Dusseldorf. So, yeah, I I think... Look, but they've always sacked their manager who doesn't get them promoted 
I and it's not working. So why would you do it with this one who has actually improved? Yeah. That's my take. Mine too. Anyways, before we finish off this segment, we could just quickly do a little bit of no- a little note on, on what else has been going on in the Zweitwind thing in terms of managerial changes. There have been some. So Greuterford has uh, finally gotten a new man. Uh, well, Jasmine, tell me what you know about this mystery man. He looks like the Swiss Eddie Howe. So the Swiss Newcastle manager. That's all I basically know of him. <laughs> um, uh, I, his name is Mark Schindler, I think, or something of that ilk. Um, he comes from Thun in Switzerland. He was he played there. He went up the coaching ranks there and managed there for a while. I don't think he did anything particularly special, but he was the assistant coach under Urs Fischer. Uh, I think while there, or maybe they're under 21s in FC Toon, then went on last season to manage uh, Vastland Beerven, I think I'm pronouncing that right, in either Belgium second division, but only stayed there to February and was fired. So I'm not quite sure how he plays. I've not had the time to look into it, but it seems really interesting what Greta Furt are going to do next, because I'm not completely sure. What are Bielefeld <laughs> going to do next? I mean, uh, they, they're the other side that were relegated yeah. to the Bundesliga 2. And theirs is a lot more strange. I mean, they sacked Frank Kramer, what, in April, with a month to go, after it looked like, ah, oh, we're going to get relegated with him, let's try and change it up. They brought in... The goalkeeping coach. What? Oh, he was the goalkeeping coach. Who was the goalkeeping coach? The guy Armini Bielefeld brought in. He was the goalkeeping coach on... M- Michael Henker was the goal... No, Michael Henker was not the goalkeeping no, coach. No, the nominal... Well, Michael Henker was the nominal coach, but the guy who actually was in charge of the tactics was the goalkeeping coach. What uh, the fuck? Not even I realised that. See, you, this is how you know Bielefeld's in trouble. I don't have anything against goalkeepers. They make wonderful sporting directors. Say um, that to Lutz von Stiel. Uh, Carsten Willmann. Indeed. We are. Another. Jörg Schmatke, yes. Yep, there we go. A fantastic bunch. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jörg Schmatke hasn't met any coach he's ever had an argument with. Yeah, so Bielefeld's is a little weirder. They've known for some time that they need a new coach. Preseason starts June 10th, that's only in a couple of weeks' time, and they're still without a coach. Dean Michelis was rumoured like quite heavily and was a favourite like a week ago from Bayern's under-23s, but that seems to be dead. And Arabi has come out, um, the spunk director of Bielefeld, and has said, oh no, that's not taking place, but don't worry, we will have a coach by June 10th. But we don't know, and... If you're a new coach, you normally need to do stuff like cadre planning, which is basically saying, here's all the positions that we need for a squad, please buy them, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, you want you want a day or two to look into what you want. Yeah, and there doesn't even seem to be any rumours of who could take over at Bielefeld, really, anymore. So I'm not sure what they're doing, and I'm a little bit worried for them. Worrying times at the Alm. Anyways, I think this is it for part one. We'll be back in part two talking about the relegation playoff between Dynamo Dresden and Erster FC Kaiserslautern.
HSV, they have been down in the Bundesliga 2 for four years. Haven't managed to get up back to the Bundesliga, but hey, Kaiserslautern, they've been in the Dritte Liga for four years, but they managed to get up into the Zweite Bundesliga because they won their promotion playoff against Dynamo Dresden. Now, it was a very hard-fought first leg, a nil-nil. You went to the second match, actually. You were in the crowd. Lucky, lucky you. What can you tell me from that match? Good luck if you're traveling to Kaiserslautern or you have them in your stadium and there. Make sure you get extra guys with fireproof umbrellas to stop fireworks. Um, Honestly, it was a life experience. Just to give you a little bit of insight, got there. Kaiserslautern fans, just before kickoff, threw some pyrotechnics onto the field around three, had flares, and I was just by the Kaiserslautern fans. They managed to throw one firework into Dresden fans, which landed, I'm pretty sure, in a bunch of stewards. I think it fizzled out before because there was no real drama after they threw it, but I was scared as fuck. Um, Yeah, so that kind of set the scene for the match. Everyone got mad. Dresden did their whole banner and flare stuff before kickoff. Really tense atmosphere, obviously, in a relegation match, but a lot of the game itself, like the first leg, was described as uh, hard work. There was nothing real tactical special. For a lot of the time, no one think either team would score. And unfortunately, it was a slight break from Dresden that Kaiserslamp managed to break through and score. And yeah, it just kind of set off the kind of tone for the rest of the match. It didn't look like... Dresden then got a bit more into it, got a bit more hurried, a little bit more rushed and energetic in front of goal. However, it looked like there had been a curse put on the goal that they were trying to score there and they couldn't get in. There was two wonderful saves by um, Kaiserslautern's keeper and yeah, they again managed, uh, Kaiserslautern managed to break and this time the ball came to Herscher who just put it in just before full time and uh, that's when the Dresden fans knew they were relegated. There were quite a few close chances that didn't go in and you know, to be 2-0 down just before full time. And so the Ultras decided to react by throwing a lot of pyro onto the pitch. An amazing amount. If anyone follows me on Twitter, I've got a whole thread on the pyro they... Well, just videos of the pyros they threw. You can see them chucking it, like, like through the video as well. And so... Basically, that last two minutes was uh, delayed for a good 10, 15. And for anyone who watched the Rostock-Hamburg game last week and saw the fire in the stadium, yeah, that kind of happened in two separate... Well, it was in a similar area, but two separate fires in a similar area because of the pyro. So, and on the way out, after Dresden was relegated, you know, I was saying to Nick before we started recording that it wasn't really a bad atmosphere from many Dresden fans apart from the ultra section which you know ultra's gonna ultra 
But I think Max was saying, and Max is obviously a former Dresden assistant coach, and they he was relegated with them too, two years ago. He said they come to support. So I think no matter what happened, they were there to support and there was nothing more that they could do at full time. Therefore, just went home and just kind of felt it was more normal than many other upset fans or angry fans. However, while walking out, even though every fan that I was walking along with was fine, <laughs> seeing riot police on the way out in their in their helmets and God knows I can't remember what they had on them, was like a very many of them, like shit was going to go down with um, an experience. <laughs> As probably the only person of colour and the only woman of colour in the crowd, maybe person of colour in the crowd too. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> quite, it, it was an interesting day. And um, yeah, Kaiser Slamman, please, for fans, please don't throw fireworks at other fans. Some of them just don't want it. So please don't. I know Ultras threw Pyro, but at least they were on the pitch, not towards anyone but their stupid selves. So, yeah, it wasn't a good tactical match. And I don't have much to say about that except Dirk Schuster giving it the one-two to the away fans just before kickoff riled them up and it was very Dirk Schuster football so I'm guessing that he's staying on as Kaiserslautern coach and you will see some of that next season well usually when you say something like that I tend to say excellent but this time around I say oh dear god not more of this now you mentioned Dirk Schuster there and he was brought in by sporting director Thomas Hengen that was a huge gamble because uh, Kaiserslautern had finished the season with uh, Marco Antwerp. He was let go because uh, they had lost three matches on the bounce towards the end of the season. So he was thrown out. Uh, Dirk Schuster was brought in. That gamble paid off because Kaiserslautern obviously won the promotion playoff. But what now? How are they going to, you know, do anything in the Bundesliga 2? I don't know. If it's the Dirk Schuster we know and love, his team will be harder to break down. But, you know, his team's not at their peak either. We've only seen one game from them. Or two, well, two games, really. And they weren't that great in the first one either. And, you know, we've talked about Kaiserslautern's kind of troubles before. They might get a 3 million euro injection into the club from PMG. We want new um, investors of 9%. Or they could just sell their shares because it's probably worth more now because they've been promoted, which PMG are kind of renowned for making those business decisions rather than actual thoughtfulness of the club. So... What actually happens to them, I we don't know. If they play without the ball like they do, I don't think they'll get very far because I think even though we don't have Schalke, Werder in the league next season, most of those teams know how to break down that kind of football and they don't do it as well as you would think Hansa Rostock will do it next year. So, yeah, I'm not expecting so, so much. All oh, right, and what do we expect from Dynamo Dresden? Obviously, Capretti? Mm. Oh, well, he only has a contract for the Spider Bundesliga, so he will not... He's gone. Yeah, he's probably... Well, unless he decides to stay into the third league and be like, yeah, I, I will join. I, he is gone, as far as I know, anyway. I think... That, I mean, we have to talk about 
the Eastern season, they started really well. Remember they were in the top half of the table with a, a little bit with Legensburg? Yep. Yeah, Alexander Schmidt, another RB coach, which I'm sure we'll get on later. So Alexander Schmidt wasn't great. He didn't go through really... He, he deserved to go. He couldn't get any ideas through to his team. He couldn't improve their team. And they went on to, what, two months without a win or something? Maybe a bit more before they fired him. And they brought in Capretti, who did wonderful things at Fell, SAFL, in the lower league. But if you know the style that Easton have been playing for the last years since they sacked F- Christian Feel, it's very... I don't want to use the term anti-football, but if I use the term anti-football, I think listeners would understand what kind of football I'm talking about. No, not the prettiest, not with the ball, you know, tight defence. And Kalzinski didn't really get it working. He did well in the third league when they after they got relegated, when they got relegated two years ago. But then he started to mess it up. They brought in Alexander Schmidt. But Capretti is a very in-possession manager, likes to play with the ball. But when you have a disjointed set of players that have got a range of skill level and a range of ages, and we're talking like Chris Love and Tim Knipping who are on that older age, it's very hard to install that with ball possession, like game plan in a couple of weeks to save yourself from relegation when you don't have players or time. It was probably not a good way to go if you wanted to save them from relegation, but more of to build a project. So um, I don't think hiring Capretti at that time was the smartest move. And yeah, so I don't know what they want to do next. Well, I mean, they've been a bit of an elevator side, as they're called in Germany. They've been uh, going back and forth between the second Wednesday and the third tier for, for the last few years. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they will be back in the Bundesliga 2 at some point. Oh, but before we move on, second Bundesliga sides less likely to get promoted into the Bundesliga and more likely to get relegated into the third Liga. So... Absolutely. You mentioned that on the on the last podcast. Obviously, statistically speaking, the Bundesliga side stays in the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga two side actually goes down. Yeah, that which I love a playoff. Don't get me wrong, but that does not sit quite right for me. Why does the third best team get punished against the team that hasn't done very well in the league above? Maybe do third versus fourth playoff, or if they. Draw on points. Well, or to, it would have it would have been fifteenth against fourth. I mean, obviously, otherwise you would get one more team no, into uh, the league each season. No, like um, fourth, <laughs> third, and fourth play each other to go up, and sixteenth oh, and fifteenth play each other to, to go down. Ah, well, there you go. Or based on points, because I feel like if they're close in points, like close in points to each other of the teams I just mentioned, then they should have a playoff. However, if you have like a 10-point gap or some some crazy gap between third bottom and fourth bottom, then maybe a playoff's not right because you've obviously performed better. But something that evens it up like that, that would make more sense and keep the excitement levels as well. Well, there you go. Um, DFB, DFL, hire me. Lands at the DFL. Um, you've got work to do. Uh, anyways, um... <laughs> 
talking about uh, things that don't sit quite well with me. Um, A new section of this podcast. Yes, an old man airing his grievances coming up. Well, what I wanted to talk about now is actually the fact that there have been two big finals since we last recorded the show. First of all, there was that epic uh, Europa League final between Eintracht Frankfurt and uh, Glasgow Rangers. You know, which really reminded us why we love football. It was a tense nail biter, a world-class German goalkeeper in Kevin Trapp, keeping his team in the match. And what was even better were the fans from Eintracht Frankfurt on the stands. So, you know, watching that, I loved every second of it. And I'm sure that most of you did so too. Um, so congrats to the Eagles. Uh, they really deserved a title after the last few seasons of, you know, some really excellent football. However, and now this is where the old grumpy man is going to get a little bit mad. In that other final, uh, we actually saw uh, SC Freiburg a small club which has made a lot out of very little, they took on RB Leipzig. And yes, you could say that Christian Streich's team should have done better, having had a 1-0 lead and being one man up. But honestly, that is not the disappointing bit about the final for me, really. Because up until this season, all clubs that have won a cup title or the Bundesliga title, they were founded for, for the common good. All of them have fans who are members, and those fans can actually try to force the people at the top to do the right thing if they need to be forced to do that. That goes for big clubs like Bayern, the smaller ones like Bielefeld and Fürth. It goes for every club in Germany. And so, personally speaking, for me, this is a factor that sets German football apart from the Premier League or most other leagues. You know, because in England and elsewhere, you basically get a bunch of rich men who have football teams as their playthings. And, uh, you know, I don't think that they football teams should be that. Unfortunately, though, RB Leipzig, they represent the one exception to that rule. So this team was solely started to sell more energy drinks, energy drinks that really taste like, I don't know, what, what I would imagine Daddy Bear puke to taste like. It's that bad. <laughs> Hush, I like, th- I like the flavor. I, you, you disgust sh- me. Yes, I know. I disgust myself. Yes. Carry on. Anyways, but, but I mean, yes, all this club was founded for was to sell more shitty energy drinks. And there's never been any intention to allow the common fan into the club to have their say at the club. You know, if you wanted to tr- join RB as a member... I promise you, you won't be able to do that because they've rigged the system in such a way that only, I think, 24 people have been allowed in as members. And if you wanted to join them, no, you won't be able to because there are really strict criteria for who can be a member at that club. And that is, you know, definitely not against the 50 plus one rule, but it's definitely against the spirit of that. And, you know, right now, these 24 people who are at the club, they are all affiliated with that energy drink maker and Dieter Matichitz. Now, Dieter Matichitz is an interesting man. He has found out that sporting events, sports teams and extreme sports are great ways of creating brand awareness. And, you know, if he thought that he wouldn't, you know, get a return on his investment into sports and football, he probably wouldn't have built a network of football teams, you know, that he has established all around the world. Uh, You know, that man, if he thought that he would lose one euro of that investment into football, 
you probably would end tomorrow. But besides being the owner of, you know, all these sports franchises, he's also the owner of Zervos TV, a TV station that has given plenty of airtime to far-right lunatics and COVID skeptics. Matichitz himself has expressed some really far-right views in, you know, some of the rare interviews that he's given to the Austrian press. So there are plenty of reasons why you should be sad about Leipzig winning the cup and why you should hate Leipzig winning the cup. But to end on a little sort of positive note here, I think there's some hope on the horizon because if there one day comes a time when the board of that energy drink maker finds out that they don't see any chances of their investment into sports making a huge difference in terms of brand awareness and, you know, getting that financial return that they're gagging for, they'll be out the following day. And, you know, the, the good news is that that probably will come sooner or later because trends change. And even better, SC Freiburg and, you know, all these traditional clubs that we talked about, they'll still be there. And that gives me some comfort. Anyways, in the meantime, because this is um, not going to happen anytime soon probably, but in the meantime, someone should find out who took that picture of Kevin Campbell pouring that energy drink into the DFB car. Both Campbell and that person taking that photo should go to jail because the only thing that ever should be poured into that cup is beer or apple wine in case of Frankfurt winning it. So... Yeah. yeah um, criminal. This All of this was criminal on so many levels. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I have... I mean, I obviously don't like Arby. I do not like Mataschitz. Even though I do like the flavour of Red Bull. Please don't kill me. I don't drink that much caffeine anymore, so I don't drink that much Red Bull. Or if at all anymore. I don't want to start World War Four over what I say next. However, while when RB Leipzig won the DFB Pokal on the last weekend, I did wonder where is the line drawn in hating RB? And the reason why I bring this up is that I saw a lot of people on Twitter obviously wishing that RB didn't exist. A kind of sentiment I understand. The way I mean, I wish they I, didn't exist. I mean, that's what I'm okay. saying. <laughs> I uh, in like such hate and stuff like our uh, hate should be thrown at the at their concept, but without an inch of self awareness of them benefiting from that concept. A bit like privilege, a bit like white privilege, and um, it's not the same, but it's kind of a good analogy that to benefit something that you're not kind of aware of and obviously the hating on it is a different part because most people don't even hate on something that they benefit from. However, they hate the concept of RB, completely understand. However, if you say things like throw hate at or don't want to exist, but then celebrate the coaches who are RB and who have gone through, I'm going to call the school of RB, then it's quite, to me, hypocritical. For instance, saying, like, I throw hate at the concept, but yet celebrating Oliver Glasner's Europe League win. They have said things like Tedesco's, like, the face of RB and the fascist that is Mataschitz. Again, I agree with the Mataschitz part. However, Tedesco has only spent one year under an RB corporation, whereas someone like Oliver Glasner has spent more years 
and without RB would not most likely be here as a coach today. It was Ralph Ragnick under RB who gave him his first coaching role under Roger Schmidt at RB. So, and when I kind of get, now we're at such a point that so many coaches are from RB, it's kind of unavoidable. However, to not be self-aware that you are benefiting from it is to me hypocritical. Actually, I would go so far, people are going to find me in Hessen now, Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga has probably benefited more than RB, than RB Leipzig themselves. Their last three coaches have all been RB coaches, Ninko Kovac, um, Adi Hütter and Oliver Glasner. Both of their trophy wins, DFB Pokal and this year's Europa League, under RB coaches. And so to say that you... So they've, they've won more trophies <laughs> than RB. RB Leipzig, with RB Leipzig staff. Um, the love for Marco Rosa, um, for instance, again, an RB coach. Uh, Frank Kramer. Frank Kramer, Robert Klaus, Alexander Schmidt, although a more worse one, Jesse Marsh. Bo Svensson, Bo Svensson. Uh, who uh, was at Liefering, who's, uh, that, which is a pretty much a... Farm team. A feeder, farmer team, yeah, yeah. For, for RB Salzburg. So uh, Bo Svensson definitely has an RB past. You know, I, 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 I don't like the fact that RB pretty much produces coaches for half of the teams in the Bundesliga right about now. Yeah. Because I think it makes the league more predictable. It makes it more boring. There are fewer and fewer different styles of football. Uh, everything gets a little bit more bland. I think it's definitely problematic development in terms of where we're going but um hey let's save that for another time (laughs) yeah i i I think i think the point i'm trying to make is please hate the entity if you want to don't get mixed up of what you're hating if you hate that they've broken the bundesliga tradition by being the way rb leipzig are you are fine to do that be self-aware in your reasoning if you want to hate matt and everything about him you do that as well because that is also very fair just have some self-awareness how you have also benefited from it before you start starting hate on people who work under those corporations because unfortunately we all have to be in the society and if the top has fucked it for the rest of us we unfortunately sometimes have to partake in that fucked upness to get somewhere um, so saying, ah, oh, Tedesco's the face of RB when you have seen Adolf Hutter himself. You've got a man called Adolf Hutter and Marco Rosa, Mr. Lock Leipzig himself. There are a lot more managers who could be the face of RB, not someone well, who's... I mean, to be fair to Adi Hutter, uh, Adolf is a family name and uh, according to his Wikipedia page... The grandmother who suggested the name of the son being Adolf had to do a lot of convincing. No which, fucking uh, shit! I found, <laughs> I'm sorry. Which I found very funny. <laughs> Why don't you change it? Just change it to Addy. Anyway, that's beside my point. Just be a little bit more self-aware. Um, don't say coaches who have come and joined the corporation are somehow the faces of it throughout, even though there's ones around that have RB in their blood. There are many coaches who are RB loyal. But I'm, 
<laughs> I'm gonna liken them. I don't want to be seen as a Harry Potter. Oh, millennials do everything in Harry Potter. But literally, Death Eaters would be a very good analogy for this. Excellent. Uh, now that we've mentioned Death Eaters, I think it's time to <laughs> time to to be done with it. You know, be done with this. Move on. End the show. Yeah, this is going to be the the last uh, Talking Foosball Extra Ausstieg this season. Uh, is it? It's- we're not yeah. having a review show. I think we should have a review podcast. Well, okay. Yay. Yeah, so this has been the second to last uh, Talking Foosball Extra Aufstieg this season. Jasmine, it has been a blast as always. Uh, please do tell our listeners where they can find your work and where they can find you on Twitter. My work can be found mostly on my Twitter because I post everything there anyway. So follow me at underscore Jasmine Barber on Twitter and yeah. You can keep up with me trying to avoid fireworks from Kaiserslautern fans and all other work. Great. You can follow me, Nick Viltagen, on Twitter at Normusings. To follow the podcast, uh, follow us at Talking Foosball. Make sure to follow our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Talking Foosball. Loads and loads of historical content on that page. You know, if you're so inclined, spend some of your hard-earned money to get access to all that glorious content. Anyways, this is it for this show. Until next week, or some week at some point, anyways, we'll see. It is goodbye for now.